And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I hope you really enjoyed hearing Lieutenant Colonel Alan West in the last half an hour. He's just always great to have on and uh, love his perspectives. And I loved, if you missed that interview, I loved his point that when President Trump sits down with North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un, among the basic things he needs to say is, you can't be leader of this country anymore. You cannot do it. Our continued ability to deal with North Korea, to to attempt to get you to a more stable country, you can't be the leader. And actually, when you think about it, the notion that he, Kim Jong-un, who behaves irrationally and, and violently and just, just immaturely, the notion that we would trust an agreement he would enter is by itself crazy. So I love Alan West's point. Okay, so this is the top of the second hour. It's our cruise through the news segment. I will cruise as fast as I can. Um, first, I want to mention that, again, on our website, you can see this, and also you should look it up on your line yourself. But the Paralympian, the Paralyzed Olympians, the Paralympian uh, Games are starting. The uh, Just one individual, Mike Schultz, he's going to be the U.S. flag bearer. These people, if you see the videos of them, you see the pictures of them, these are people who've lost limbs or were never never had limbs who are engaging in competition at the Olympian level. It's just humbling it's moving it's it's just just simply breathtaking and so i want to just commend those people and everyone supporting them it's a fabulous thing uh second one this is my cruise to the news top of the hour did you know that former president ever you know uh kind of hovering around the circle at the edges still in washington barack obama is in talks with netflix to produce a high a series of high profile shows That'll provide him a global platform after his departure. Um, so he basically wants to get in the news and be be in America's face and continue to be acting like he's president. He's negotiating with Netflix, um, and I just I hope that it's a big fat flop. I actually think it will be. Next thing is an amazing story that I wanted to share with you. There's been so much kind of out of the clear blue, maybe in the last four or five years. The idea of the um, advocacy for transgender rights has emerged, and it kind of came out of nowhere. It's like, you know, everyone knows that the transgender population is 0.00001 or something like that, and yet we become just captivated by transgender rights. A young researcher, a uh, New York-based feminist named Jennifer Bilek or Bilek, she tracked the flow of pro-transgender funding from donors and business groups and says there's over $400 million have been spent to promote the claim that men can switch their gender to become legal women whenever they want to. She traces all sorts of details about that, the funding going to the, and you know, people will say, follow the money, and I think that's an overused phrase, but apparently in this transgender hysteria we have now entered, there are just millions and millions to be made. Uh, more funds going to that than to the LGBT lobby. Um, just the notion that the pharmaceutical companies, uh, people in government, researchers, psychologists, uh, are doctors, reporters, researchers, all these people are, are involved in making this an issue and in spending money on it. Truly horrific. Okay, another great story. That, that was not a good story. Good story here is that uh, the Center for Immigration Studies that advertises on this show, a fabulous Washington, D.C.-based think tank, extremely thorough and professional research. They're nonpartisan. 
but they're always focused on making the immigration system in America uh, to analyzing and understanding what's really happening with it, for making proposals all the time for the content of legislation. The Center for Immigration Studies came out with a report uh, by Stephen Camerata, who is their director of research, uh, which said, which found that the $18 billion wall that President Donald Trump wants to build along the southern border could pay for itself simply by curbing curbing the importation of crime, drugs, and poverty. If we simply only modestly reduced illegal crossings and drug smuggling, basically getting all illegal immigrants off of welfare would pay for Trump's wall. Isn't that, it's kind of ironic, actually. You think about the need to pay for us because of these people and the notion that just getting them off welfare would make us able to pay for the wall. Pretty darn stunning. Another just great little fact to know on our cruise to the news is the, uh, there was, it's in Forbes magazine, but there was a big study that uh, came up with this conclusion, which is important to understand, you know, the Affordable Care Act, which was the Obamacare bill passed by the Democrats, not one Republican supported it. It has uh, not made health care more affordable. It's made it more difficult to pay for and more expensive, less accessible, everything that could have gone wrong in, in, in the Affordable Care Act did. And it has really uh, crippled the American health care industry and really damaged the individual person who's trying to pay for insurance. Here's the conclusion of this big study was it was the Affordable Care Act because they eliminated all of the other possibilities. The Affordable Care Act is the single thing that occurred that increased premiums in America, a massive study of premiums before the Affordable Care Act for a 10-year period, and then beginning with the Affordable Care Act. And the basic thing was there was uh, within the, by the time the Affordable Care Act was passed, a 60% increase in premiums in the preceding years before the same time period, the Affordable Care Act increases the premiums only 10%. Okay, so proving again the Affordable Care Act was, if nothing else, completely unaffordable. Come back after the break, and I'm going to talk with you, changing subject again entirely about saving, um, always about saving America. I'm going to talk about men and women and how the left tries to mess up their identities, but we don't have to do that. Come right back. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. 
They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I love, love the music we have on this show. It's by Krista Branch, and uh, she's a singer, and her husband actually wrote the uh, music and lyrics, and it was really written. It just captures the passion of this show, this show dedicated to the love of America, dedicated to explaining why America is unique, extraordinary, great, exceptional, and the job each of us has in preserving America. And as long as I'm on this, I'll tell you that, that, that why this show, I do this show every week. I don't have a radio background. <laughs> I'm a lawyer by background. But that this show just captures my heart, just the ability to talk to you every week about all the ways in which the, the precious idea of America is under siege and how it is the duty and great privilege of every member of American society to speak up for and defend the idea of America. Uh, the show is also sponsored. I could not do this 
show without a sponsor. My show is sponsored by a group called GC Works. It's a Dallas-based company that performs research in advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. Just so very grateful for GC Works to be able to do this show. And so on the you know, so I always kind of tie every story or, or the day, issues of the day. All the, this is conservative talk radio, but I always try to tie it back very specifically to the unique greatness of America. And I want to talk this segment about something about um, which is maybe seems a tiny bit not political, but it actually goes to the. Uh, it's one of the many attacks on America from the American left on just the, the the culture, the fabric of America, and that is the right ideas of masculinity and femininity, men and women. And, you know, it's interesting because um, I think for decades, centuries, millennia, you know, it was pretty clear that you know, men and women are different. And this is a good thing. And, you know, men are masculine and women are feminine. And that and, you know, we had do we made adjustments over time in America that we had, you know, women were uh, won the right as they should have had uh, the right to, you know, work and equal uh, equal laws, equal access to education, equal access to careers. But in the middle of that kind of of that adjustment to making uh, giving women equal rights in the legal and uh, career worlds, um, we had a, a brand of feminism that emerged that was profoundly anti um, anti traditional marriage, anti men, anti anti normalcy of womanhood. So, and, and we have at the same time happening in America, and especially in the last few years, um, with this prevalence of the growth, the discussion of just kind of um, gender morphing, gender changing. We have uh, gen- just gender confusion. We've had more and more attacks emerge on the right idea of masculinity. And, and you know, these are, these are God-given, uh, you know, God created man in his image and likeness, male and female, he created them. That's what life is. That what, that's what we are. We are men and women created by God. And the notion that somehow humanly we can be smarter than God and shift our identities around, shift, change what femininity should be, change what meaning female is, is really, it's not just confusion and perversion, but it's detrimental to American society. It's detrimental to a society that is based on a nuclear family unit which we have here in America. We have we had for decades, for centuries, a society based on a nuclear family unit, mom, dad, and kids. I'll talk about several things that are going on in this arena. Uh, one is, with respect to women, there's a very cool thing. There was an effort by an organization called, uh, they put out something called uh, Declaration of Mothers. Declaration of Mothers. And what they're st- this started in May of 2017, so it's coming up on a year old, but they've been going around the world getting mothers to sign on to essentially say the era of radical feminism is over. We women in the world, we want to express our support, our love for our role as women and mothers. And they had, they've now had over 8 million mothers around the world sign this from 150 countries, basically just saying, it's okay, we need to restore, to, to, re, uh, to, to gain respect again, to restore, to embrace the love of the idea of, a, uh, of the right role of motherhood. And they talk about 
they give examples. And there's one particular story that um, I want to, I think it's up on our website. I'm not sure. But they had quotes from people on the American left. One being, for example, Melinda Gates, you know, um, the of the Gates Foundation, a 2017 annual letter from that included this statement by Melinda Gates. The real issue isn't how much time women spend on unpaid work, meaning motherhood. It's how much time they don't spend contributing to society and pursuing higher education or a career. She said women should spend more time doing paid work, starting businesses, or otherwise contributing to the economic well-being of societies around the world. The fact that they can't holds their families and communities back. So the idea of motherhood not being valued, in fact, being denigrated, being kind of pat on the head, well, if that's all you're capable of doing, versus valuing motherhood and valuing a woman's role as shaping children. And it's funny because I'm a really good example of, of, of what I think is the right idea, which is, you know, I, I, um, I am a lawyer. I like to actually, I like being in the professional world. I like doing this radio show. I like being involved in politics. And I liked being a stay-at-home mom for period two. And there's some notion of this group, I don't think they're advocating that all women should be stay-at-home moms. They're advocating that society, especially American society, should treasure and respect the role of mother as a valuable contribution to society. The notion if you can stay home and mold and form and shape children to produce productive members of society who feel moral responsibility, who have a personal sense of self-reliance, a, a sense of decency and goodness and wanting to contribute to society, you've done a lot for society. And so there, there's kind of this right restoration of the idea of feminism, uh, of femaleness is really a great, great thing. And I like that people are actively looking at it as a cause because unspoken, you're left with what the feminists, the radical left-wing feminists have tried to do, which is to destroy, to denigrate, to mock the importance of women as mothers. And I will say I have plenty of good friends, who have, lawyer friends who had children, went right back to work. I'm not criticizing that decision in the slightest. I think some, you know, decision to go back to work because that's what you want to be doing and to provide adequate care for your children. I am not in the slightest criticizing that. But I am also definitely criticizing the people who are mocking or demeaning or trying to diminish the value of mothering your children. And that's part of what feminism tried to do to America, really mock the value of motherhood. On the other side of it, and this whole notion of molding and shaping America and having uh, our culture um, be, be strong, the idea of masculinity and strength of men is being mocked. There was a, I couldn't find the article, but somebody recently had some article that kind of took off, talked about toxic masculinity. I want to say a couple of things about that. Number one, my husband and I happened to watch that movie the other night, uh, this movie called Only the Brave, and it was, it was about firefighters, about these firefighters, the Granite Mountain Hotshots, and they were this self-trained fire you know, protection unit, and they saved uh, uh, towns and cities. They were, But, I mean, the, the culture of these, whatever it was, 12 or 14 guys who were part of this Granite Mountain Hotshot group that were firefighters in the worst, remote, dangerous fires with rapid winds and fires spreading and, 
and thousands and millions of trees at risk. These guys, the culture of masculinity and, and strength and determination was wonderful. Same culture in the military. We need men to be strong. We need men to be Navy SEALs. We need men to be the ones out there being strong. And masculinity has been mocked again by the American left. They can mock feminine femininity and womanhood and motherhood, and they mock masculinity as though masculinity is a bad thing. Now, I'll tell you, when you have cases like Harvey Weinstein and these uh, sexual predator type men, that is not masculinity. There's nothing masculine about Harvey Weinstein, Bill Clinton, you know, all the other ones who are rightfully accused and criticized for their, uh, their just mistreatment of women. But that's not masculinity. Masculinity is using your God-given strength as a man, your role as a man to be a, uh, a strength, a protector, a, a fighter when needed, to be aggressive. Those qualities of masculinity are needed in this country. And there was a great article, and this is, I know, up at our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org. Uh, it was written by someone at National Review, but she was talking about, this is a mom writing about the growing attack on boys and talking about how this attack on masculinity has even made its way down to very young ages where we have kind of a, instead of recognizing boys will be boys, and sometimes they're rambunctious, heaven knows we had two boys. We have a girl and two boys who are grown. But, I mean, yes, boys are rambunctious, rambunctious, a little different than girls. This is great. Nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing. But she was pointing out how this how this culture of not appreciating masculinity, of trying to make everyone the same and not acknowledging differences between boys and girls, have actually caused a damage to the culture of boyhood in this country. And I'm going to, after the break, we have to go off to a break here, but I, I want to tell you just a little bit about how it's actually hurt young boys in developing their qualities of masculinity so needed in our society. Debbie George Addis, America Can We Talk, come right back. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. 
Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. Welcome back. So glad you're joining us tonight. Okay, so, you know, I really, uh, this show is all about preserving and saving America. And I love the idea of recognizing America is more than just a, you know, collection of 50 states. But America, as I've talked about so often in this show, is the outgrowth, the outcome of the most precious, important country-building ideas ever to have been the basis of a country, period. And so our job as American citizens is to protect that. Part of what I want to talk about tonight, I'm going to finish on this um, male-female thing, because I really think it's interesting. You know, the American left, if I had to define the core ideas of the American left, it is, of course, a big government, let government control everything in your life, let government control industry, let it control the healthcare system, let it control the education system, let, you know, just, just kind of tentacles of big government control. But even beneath that, there's a core of leftism that is just profoundly godless. It is, in, far, in fact, part of the, the when I say, I've said so often in the show that the 
the Democrat Party, not your average nice neighbor who's voted Democrat her whole life, but the leadership, the, the opinion shapers of the Democrat Party, they are the radical, they are radical leftists. They are not simply liberal. They're radical leftists, and their ideas are very, very close to socialism, which is inherently, intuitively, necessarily godless. And so the American left is just a, it has evolved over decades away from being uh, a, you know, if it ever was, but evolved away from being part of the American um, structure, respectful of the structure, the kind of society that the founders tried to create. And it's a very left-wing and very godless um, thought about life and man. And so when you have no rooting in your thinking about male, female, created in God's image, you know, that male and female are different, then you're really open to anything goes in this whole gender fluidity thing and this transgender thing and all those issues that the left harps on. And back to this thing about young boys and young men in our society. We had the left has just attacked and tried to just um, destroy the idea of the right idea of femininity and motherhood, which does not mean you have to stay at home in the kitchen barefoot and pregnant. You can be a professional. You can be a successful person. But the idea of a society valuing motherhood is vital with respect, with respect to boys and the right idea of masculinity. I'm going to just mention a couple of things. I, mean, I mentioned this great article in National Review, this woman who was uh, just talking about, she's the mother, I think she said of three or four boys, has a bunch of boys anyway. Um, but she was talking about how this wrong idea about boys of not, not recognizing that they're different and they're going to be a little bit more rambunctious and all that. She talked about how uh, there has been a... Um, an ongoing, this notion of this toxic masculinity thing, uh, moving down, down, down in ages, down to where we're talking about, you know, young boys. And so there was a, a long uh, series, apparently a series of articles in the New York Magazine, How to Raise a Boy. I mean, first of all, you should ask your mother or your grandmother or your pastor instead of the New York Magazine. But there was a New York Magazine series, How to Raise a Boy. And in part, what they were talking about in there was boys need forced female friendship to curb their aggressive instincts. Okay, I mean, that's just like the notion that boys, you know, are intuitively just just more wound up, more energy, more aggressive, more assertive was to be tamed by, you know, uh, by this notion that parents should take the job um, of forcing female friendship. They actually talk even about young boys, about the idea the power white American boys have been taught to seize for generations comes from already powerless women, people of color, everyone who isn't us. This series was written by a guy who was just ignorant enough to end up saying, um, you know, in a macro sense, the lessening of the power of men, straight and white men in particular, is an unquestioned societal good. Diminishing the power of men in American society is a good, says this person. And and then because if we fall, others will rise. This whole notion of just, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, this is the American left. It has the country divided into hyphenated groups and into um, and just a constant quest for sameness of everybody. And so the notion anyway, it goes on and on. But the thing I want to get to, because I I don't want to forget the main point I want to get to is the consequence that has happened to young boys. Even back in 2014, there was an Esquire investigation called it was called the drugging of the American boy. And this alleged um, disorder, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, this idea 
was they were talking about how perfectly normal and active boys end up being drugged in in harmful ways by high school by high school 20% nearly 20% of all boys 20% one it's, you know, two out of ten, one in five, will have been diagnosed with ADHD and taking drugs, and that is a 37% increase since the year 2003. So really, just in the last 20, less than 20 years, fewer than 20 years, we've had an increase of a little boy who's wound up and active as ADHD. He gets drugged, he gets to high school, and he is drugged. When he does not have a problem, he is not unhealthy. He, as this article says, he's swallowing pills for a disorder he doesn't have. And this notion of not encouraging the right idea of masculinity or of, or of just exalting the, the perversion uh, into just kind of we're all the same, men and women are the same, this whole metrosexual thing for men, this is not just a societal observation of something abstractly happening organically. This is absolute political societal activism by left-wing thinkers who cannot value the difference between men and women cannot value the greatness of and the great goodness for society of femininity and masculinity and we're seeing it play out in all sorts of ridiculous ways and it is not healthy for our culture and and it isn't and the other thing about it is this is one of those issues where the american left tries to tell you if you don't see it their way if you don't agree with them then you're ignorant you're uh, some other bad name you're hateful but we have to be willing to stand up and to support masculinity and it's right place, which again, not Harvey Weinstein, that's nothing masculine about that, but men being strong and protectors is a healthy, normal, God-given role, as is femininity and, and the nurturing instincts of women. These are healthy things, and I think part of what happens, women especially don't like to say the things I'm saying because it sounds like they're old-fashioned and provincial and don't think they should have the right to equal access to jobs as men, which is not true. You can have the progress that was brought by the freeing of women into being actively able to pursue, um, uh, you know, pursue education and careers and all that and still have the right role of femininity. And this is something we're, that as a culture we have to struggle with and we cannot let the left win this struggle. We cannot surrender as conservatives, as people who see that uh, have a sense of life coming from God and that our society is, is formed around Judeo-Christian ideas. We need to not be afraid to say these things. We need to say this is actually what culture requires and is. Okay. I'm going to give a little introduction to the, the last topic I want to talk to you tonight on America Can We Talk, the last topic with, about which I want to talk with you, um, and then we'll have to go to our break. But I want to first raise with you, and just in this last couple of minutes, mention of this segment, I don't know how many of you have been following what is happening in South Africa and in Zimbabwe uh, with respect to the racial violence and this, I swear, I'm going to tie it into the Democrat Party of today in America. But what is happening in South Africa? My husband and I had the great opportunity recently. We were in Washington for an event, and we end up meeting a woman named Katie Hopkins, and she is British. She lives in London, and she has been, among many other things, she's a journalist. She's been chronicling and videoing and telling people about is a tremendous, horrible evil happening in South Africa which is essentially that, you know, South Africa had apartheid, which was 
obviously wrong. It had the notion of, you know, that the whites were superior, and that's what apartheid was. It lived separately, and the white people had all the power, and so that ended, and that's a good thing it ended, of course. It's a great thing it ended, and so then the, uh, so then blacks, who are the mass, the, the significant majority of um, citizens in South Africa, uh, came into power and have elected, um, their, they have their own government. They, I mean, it's one co- country, they have a government, but what has happened is in South Africa, there have been farms owned by white families, farms owned for generations, hundreds of years. And these people know how to farm and they grow, they grow food, they grow crops, they grow the food for South Africa. And because many blacks are not landowners, uh, because of the history of apartheid, South Africa has legitimized and permitted the true, astonishing, talk about ethnic cleansing, killing murdering, maiming, raping, torturing, taking over of white-owned farms in South Africa by blacks who uh, don't know how to farm, but they feel entitled to take ownership of the farms. And so they've ended up in a situation in South Africa where they have massive, massive violence. They have the uh, number just to get uh, the murder rate for white farmers in South Africa is 20 times the international average. White farmers are being slaughtered in South Africa. And when we come back from the break, I'm going to talk about a little more about what's happening there in Zimbabwe and how you're seeing parallels in the American left in this country. The, the intent, the determination to racialize society will always bring evil. I'll be right back. On August 2nd, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes Hope Home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. There's a lot of talk today among media, in academia, in our culture, about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers? It's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. 
Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit firstliberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's firstliberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to firstliberty.org now. And welcome back. This is always, as I say quite often, the fastest two hours of my week. I cannot believe how fast the show goes by. And these topics in this last half an hour are just extremely important, extremely important in our quest to preserve America. The right idea of masculinity needs to be claimed for our culture. We cannot become a culture of weak men who can't or won't fight. We cannot be a culture that denigrates motherhood and does not have a place for uh, respecting and valuing the the contribution mothers make in molding and forming and shaping children's lives. And dads do that too. I don't mean women do it all, but there's a special uh, and right kind of God-given quality of nurturing in, in many women. And that's a healthy, good thing to be not to be apologized for or suppressed. But this topic we're on now, this about what's happening in South Africa. In fact, if you, by the way, if you, I have a podcast during the week. I do the show on Sunday, every Sunday, 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time. And I do a podcast during the week. I do at least one Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Central Time. I'm going to talk more about what's happened in um, South Africa and neighboring Zimbabwe. Because in Zimbabwe, just to give you a hint, the same thing was happening in that African country where the black formerly repressed citizens overran white farm, white owned farms, the, the whites who owned farms, uh, murdering, killing, raping, took over the farms. Soon to discover that they did not have any idea how to farm. Zimbabwe is now trying to invite back the remaining, the ones they didn't manage to murder, the remaining white farm owners to come 
back because they don't know how to farm. And, the, you know, this uh, and, and in South Africa, I mean, it's, it's a horrific situation. And we were hearing great detail about it on our trip in Washington. But, you know, there is um, there is just a completely chaotic, out of control uh, situation. And one other thing in South Africa, um, there is a constitutional amendment being considered called land expropriation without compensation. Essentially, an amendment being pushed by the African National Congress um, to basically say you can take black farmers' land away for with no money whatsoever. And the other element of all this in South Africa is it's very left-wing, and the notion that there were people that were commenting about this is not going to be the individual black citizens of South Africa who are going to end up owning these farms. It's going to be the government. I mean, just a chaotic, hideous, violent mess. We heard story after story after story uh, about people who would, uh, you know, uh, owned land there. And I'll, I'll tell you one story, just to give you a flavor of how bad it's gotten in South Africa. A husband and wife owned a, um, a home, a farm, and, um, and they farmed the land. They, um, when they would go out in the evening... They had dogs they would keep on their property. They, I mean, that were their dogs and would keep them outside. And when they pulled up to go home after an evening being out, if they didn't hear the dogs barking, they knew their home had been invaded and was being ransacked and they'd probably be murdered and they'd turn around and leave. They finally left South Africa. They could not even you know, maintain possession and control of their own land. And so this violent, chaotic racial violence has overtaken South Africa. And the the analogy I want to make to America is this. When you have a society premised on identity politics, when the way you approach politics is hyphenated America, the way you think about political issues, political parties, uh, this, any issues we face as a country to solve, if they are always broken down, as the American left does, they're, they, they're, they live in hyphenated America. That's the only way left-wing America even sees the country is hyphenated America. You can never get to peace. You can never get to a, a, a civil society. You will forever have warring factions. It is the nature of the left-wing Democrat Party. I'm going to get to them one more. One second. One more thing about this. The premise of, Amer- of organizing America, uh, unlike South Africa, that did have a premise of the, the whites controlling uh, an apartheid, whites controlling the blacks, horribly unfair, terribly wrong, obviously had to be fixed. And it was important to do that. But if the way you organize and structure your society is through ethnicity or race, you will never have peace. You will never have a sense of justice. You will never have a cooperative, unified society. It is humanly impossible to base your politics on identity, race, and ethnicity and have unity. We have to choose. And we have the profound blessing in America of a country not founded on race, not founded on ethnicity, a country founded on the most extraordinary ideas ever at the founding of any country in all of human history, the founding of ideas in the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the philosophers that the founding fathers had read and understood, these ideas are the basis of America. 
and the American left spending all of their political energy finding new classes of people to claim as victims, talking to America as the and their political arguments and the American left are always about hyphenated groups and the African Americans and the Asian Americans and Hispanic Americans and the illegal Americans and the transgender Americans and the this Americans, that Americans. This is an effort. This is the only power that the Democrat Party has left. They're so wrong on the substance of their ideas. They're so socialist, so wrong, so big government controlled. The only direction they have to go, the only direction is to get more and more people antagonized, feeling as though they're victims, adding them to the next victim class. They think up the Democrat Party is a massive victim manufacturing entity. It is a, is a criminal enterprise simply generating more classes of of just uh, victims in America who then the left says, don't worry, we'll swoop in and save you. So what we have in America today, in the, in, you know, you look around at the, the Democrat Party is a coalition of groups they have claimed as victims. One particular group that matters especially to me is their effort to treat women as though we are victims, to treat women as though we are inept victims who can po- not possibly go out in the world and get a job without the or function in a job or, or function in society without being treated as a victim class by the ruling elite of the Democrat Party and pandered to with policies to especially help women. There is a higher, better idea of America than everything the left um, puts out, and it's our job to make sure people understand that. So particularly on the left in America today— I don't know if you saw this story, but very recently, uh, Louis Farrakhan, the, the Nation of Islam leader, this is a guy who's been in the instance 1977. Minister Louis Farrakhan, he's a um, Muslim um, leader of Nation of Islam. He engaged just recently, again, this isn't like he said these things 20 or 30 years ago, just again this past week, uh, gave a speech in Chicago, numerous anti-Semitic comments, including the powerful Jews are my enemy. White folks are going down. Satan is going down. And Farrakhan, by God's grace, has pulled the cover off the satanic Jew. And I'm here to say your time is up. Your world is through. On and on and on. Anti-Semitic, anti-white. The white man's going down. The Jews are my enemy. The whites are my enemy. This guy, this guy, if he were not in this country, we'd probably all be pointing to him as an example of how extremely dangerous the uh, Islamic faith is, extremely dangerous this man is. But this guy is an ally of many, many members of the Democrat Party. Many. He is not denounced by the Democrats. I mean, not every Democrat praises him, but you have numerous Democrats serving in Congress. Minnesota Representative Keith Ellison, the deputy chair of the Democrat National Committee, tried for years to hide his relationship with Farrakhan. And as it turns out, if Washington Post probably begrudgingly, but finally acknowledged that they're actually very connected. Uh, Representative Danny Davis, another Democrat in Washington, has defended Farrakhan as an outstanding human being and admitting to having a personal relationship with him. Uh, Then he tried to take it back after he got a little bit of flack and saying, but he, of course, denounces his views and remarks regarding the Jewish people and the Jewish religion. And previously, though, he said he wasn't bothered by Farrakhan's position on the Jewish question. 
And what I want to say to you about this is this. The Black Lives Matter movement, funded by George Soros, profoundly anti-American, hates America, hates American culture. The Black Lives Matter movement, funded by Soros, funded by America-hating people and entities, is a force in our society intended to keep the agitation, to keep the division, to keep the anger and frustration, the notion that America is a deeply racist society that must be endlessly protested day after day after day. The American left, this is when I I was talking at the start of this show about what's going to happen in the fall midterms and 2018 midterms, when you have the economy is humming, the black unemployment rate is the lowest it's ever been in history. The women's unemployment rate is lowest it's been 17 years. The uh, people are having more money in their paychecks. They're discovering that freedom works, that free, that free markets work, that America is a good and noble and great nation. People are thrilled to see a president speaking up for this nation. The Democrat Party has nowhere to go except to create further division, to make, to turn Americans against each other. You look at South Africa and what's happening there is because the premise, the organizing premise of society is race in South Africa and Zimbabwe and other places. They have not advanced past that dark ages, ignorant, ignorant basis of society, a conquering army or some other conquering or some other helpless people. America is better than that. America is founded on ideas, but recognize that desperate American left has nowhere to go in these 28 midterms when everything is going well. National defense is going well. ISIS, which President Obama said, you know, it's going to take decades or who knows how long, and, and they're practically crushed. Our national defense is, is, is funded again. We have, I mean, we don't have, everything isn't perfect in America, but America is on the right track, and it is exactly the opposite track of where the Democrats would take us. So you're going to hear more and more of this Farrakhan-type agitation, more and more of this identity politics in America, more and more of this new victim class, new criticisms, new scandals, because the core ideas the Democrat Party has don't work. And the core ideas of conservatism, of love of America, love of America is unique, extraordinary, exceptional nation. This is what America's watching happen under Donald Trump, and they're pretty darn happy. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. Come back every Sunday. Tune to Podcast Wednesday at 3 at America Can We Talk, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk, truth about America.